Apparently, in order to get to the top of this list, though, we all have to buy guns, right? Well, we'll, we'll come back to that. I'm waiting for you to say, welcome to Burlingaman Park, America's <laughs> top unranked podcast. And I can go, because it turns out we got some ranks. I think that was actually the intro. <laughs> <laughs> and would uh, you tell like, me, would you like to learn a little bit more about our, yeah. ra- our ra- eight episodes into Burlingaman Park, some yeah. of our ranks? I want to hear all about it. Okay. Well, as you know. We dominate the hobby category. Let me unplug this phone really fast. We are dominating the hobby category. We are ranked in leisure hobbies. We are. And according to the good people at Raphonic, who aggregate Apple podcast data, we have the number 154 podcast (laughs) in the United States, 172 in Canada. I can understand that. Lots of Canadian customers. We had a collab with Helios. Strong Canadian United States bonds. All of this is accurate. And guess where we are the highest rank, Zach Finya? I'm scared. It turns out we are the number 67 ranked podcast in Sweden. In Sweden. Interesting. Top 100. I will take it. Top 100. You know how that happens, though? It happens because you, dear listener, are... Leaving reviews in Apple's in uh, in iTunes and also stars on Spotify. You listen the whole way through. That helps helps to listen all the way through. So most importantly, what is the Swedish pastry break they take in the middle of the morning? The fika fika fika. You think it's a fika and topper sort of situation? (laughs) I hope so. Welcome to Burlingame and Park, the top now ranked podcast for fika listeners in Sweden. I like it. So it turns it's fika out. Time. Is it fika time? Do we take I a fika? Really I'm actually not you. sure what the, because fika is a thing, but, yes. but I've, I've heard it used as a, as a verb as well. Like one, let's go fika. That's not a verb. That's still a thing. Anyway. So if you think we've reached our <laughs> Swedish apex. Yeah. <laughs> I've got a warning for Spodden, the fishing podcast, <laughs> and a double warning for Jock Podden, a podcast about hunting. Rob is calling out the podcasts in the hobby category. In Sweden. Just above us, I'm assuming. <laughs> We're not stopping. No. Pedal in all seriousness. <laughs> in all seriousness. Thank you very much for the ratings. We the are reviews. very grateful. We really appreciate you listening all the way through. Um, yeah. It's, I mean, I, I feel like there's, there's interesting stuff to catch at the end of the podcast as there is at the beginning. So thanks for sticking around. We appreciate you. Well, Rob, you've preempted my intro, so we'll skip that part. My name is Zachary Pena. I'm here with my co-host, Rob Kaplan. Rob, good to have you. Great to be here. And in the blue corner, brother Russ Kaplan. Hello there. Russ and Rob, good to have both of you guys. We have some cool stuff in front of us on a tray here, which I've covered up because Russ has actually not seen these watches in the metal yet. That's true. Apparently, they just came out of the safe. These are these are hot out of the fika bun oven. I haven't. Um, I actually had a fika bun this morning. Equator Coffee, shout out Equator Coffee, Northern California has fika this, buns. And to the Swedish listeners, and to our Swedish <laughs> listeners, uh, they have cardamom in them, which I'm not sure nice. I love. Boy. But fika is really fun to say. So, but to all of our Swedish listeners who have helped us make this a ranked podcast, <laughs> write or text Rob and tell him how to use fika correctly, because I feel like this could be a funny. This could be a funny running gag that we could continue with. But, you know, I, I know someone 
with the definite Swedish culture chops to okay. tell us how to do it correctly. Okay. So I will find out for our next podcast. I do know, having not been to Sweden, but having... I'm talking about you, Tobias. <laughs> <laughs> I know somebody else, too. I've had a few friends who've gone on various press trips and things in Sweden, and, and they were just like, yeah, we just kind of shut down in the middle of the afternoon. And they're like, it's time for fika. And I'm like, what is fika? Like, fika culture. I'm here for it. I know this because my son did a semester abroad <laughs> Perfect. in Sweden, and therefore we, when we visited him, we definitely took fika breaks. I was just going to oh, say, so we take fika breaks. And I'm not sure I'm saying right. it correctly. I, but I, I don't know. Okay. No, but I, like, I feel like we're onto something here, and I also like the fact that we can spitball this and no one needs to Google anything. So at some point, when we become the top-ranked podcast after we become gun owners and we pass all of the top gun... The only reason I mentioned the gun thing is because I believe the top ranked podcast is hunting or it's gun talk. It's gun talk. But we are going to also have to get by uh, <laughs> Millie's yarn talk. So right. And uh, there's some, some tough talk. crochet competition if That's we're going to exactly get there. Right. Yes, we have to watch out for big yarn. <laughs> <laughs> They're not going away. Big crochet is coming too. Big crochet energy up in this podcast today. We are here, of course, at the center of the uh, uh, it's the Wiss Empire. It's kind of stuck in my head. We are at the Just corner, the, the intersection of Burlingame and Park. This is, of course, a topper podcast. Fellas, it's good to have you. We have this very cool tray of watches in front of us. I do want to kick this first one off with, uh, so two of these watches have already come out, so the listeners will have known about these. But this is the first time they've both been in the store. And this first watch that we're going to lift the veil on here was released last week. And this is actually the brand new Oris Big Crown Pointer Date, uh, which is a tribute to the professional baseball player, the life and legacy of Hank Aaron, who was, of course, I'm not, so you guys are both sports fans. Yep. You're both yes. quite, Rob, I know basketball for you, Russ, you're much bigger Ru baseball, baseball Russ fan, is currently sure. a baseball fan, but I grew up a baseball fan. <laughs> I, when I was on come back, when okay. I was on when I was on Standard H, uh, he asked me how kids changed me, and um, I didn't really give this as an answer, which is the truth. I said that Are you saying you lied to I Wesley. Said, I said I carved out time that I wouldn't otherwise carve out for myself to do things with my kids, and that's certainly true. But when my son was not into baseball and got super into basketball, I kind of adjusted. Mm -hmm. But in my life, I grew up a huge baseball fan. Did you play baseball in high school? Middle I did. School? I okay. did. I played it and all Russ, the way did through you play? high school. Not in high school because I was a tennis player. Ah, there it is. So I have a little information for you um, that relates to Hank Aaron and his record chase. Where Okay. Uh, well, hold, hold on. Hold on. But, but so we'll come back to we'll that. Come back, we'll come back to that. because So just to set the stage for this watch, this is the... So Oris, Oris has historically always partnered with interesting charities, interesting personalities, kind of in the American culture, in kind of the cultural space. They do, they, but they do Swiss partnerships as well. The Rescue Pilots, of course. They've done various uh, environmental charities from around like the Russia. world. Indeed, indeed, indeed. This is the second baseball partnership. And I know, you know, Vijay Geronimo, who is the... Rob, what's Vijay Geronimo's title? I'd rather he, you he be is, put on the spot than he me. He is the president of Seiko North America. He is not. And not Seiko. Seiko North America, try again. <laughs> Let's stick with Wayne. He is the president of Boliva North America. Great. Uh, he whoops. is actually uh, the he is, CEO he's of the, the CEO Americas. of the Americas. Listener, Vijay Geronimo is the CEO. He covers two Americas. countries where we are ranked That's as right. podcasts. For, for Oris. Uh, Vijay, of course, being a friend of the podcast, definitely catch his episode um, early on. I believe it was episode three. Episode Maybe four? Episode um, three. We had the chance to chat Very with VJ. And we alluded to this. 
we did specifically about the uh, the Kermit. This is kind of the second big partnership they've done this year, uh, but it's the it's the second baseball themed partnership in the last short while. And I would argue the first one that they did several years ago was maybe one of my favorite personality related collabs that Oris had done to date. Uh, Russ, yeah, tell us a little bit about that watch. So it was the Roberto Clemente watch, which really holds a place in my heart only because it's kind of funny. As a kid, I happened to be on the mighty Berlin game Little League Pirates. And if you're a kid <laughs> and you're on the Little League Pirates, and at the time, looking at what the big league pirates were doing meant looking at the sporting green and taking a look at the sports page in the morning and seeing how they were doing. And of course, I watched, and it happened to be very sadly that in 1972, when he died, that was my last year in Little League. So oh, wow. um, it left quite an impression on me. Oh, wow. Well, Clemente, of course, being, you know, again, Oris looks at these individuals that have triumphed over adversity, have inspired others. And in Roberto's case, yes. I believe the family had a charitable well, organization that Ro was set up. Roberto Clemente was a remarkable human being mm. by all accounts. And I think people forget that this was back in a time when baseball players were not making a whole bunch of money. So today, when a baseball player has a charitable foundation, I think it's hard not to look at it and say, hmm, real interest, tax dodge, what is it? Mm. Um, and it clearly was not the case then. And I know that Mike Kruko is one of the announcers for the Giants, tells a story that he, years later, played I guess, winter ball in Puerto Rico. And when his name came up to the people in the stadium, to three people that worked in the stadium, they cried when they told the story of what happened to him because that's how important he was. So he's a pretty remarkable guy. He's amazing. And and in continuing that, so Clemente being a Pittsburgh Pirate. Correct. And Clemente, did Clemente and uh, Hank Aaron play in the same yes, era of baseball? Absolutely. They did. Okay. Hank Aaron, of course, being maybe a little more well-known simply for the pursuit of and the eventual, he was the first to, to eclipse Babe Ruth's home run record. Correct. That was not a, not a small feat. And I, I understand you've actually seen Hank Aaron play. I, not to date you or anything. No, but. it dates me. It's okay. <laughs> I did. I can't tell you that in those games he did anything that I went, oh my God. Um, <laughs> but I did see him play. A candlestick. Yes, a candlestick. And I think what I would tell you about Hank Aaron is he broke the record not by having some given spectacular bonds like we're going to eclipse the single season record sort of season, but by this incredible longevity of his career, which I think mirrored how, I don't know, how important he was over a great length of time to yep. baseball and advancing civil rights with baseball. He's a pretty remarkable guy. Incredible. And I came into the Roberto Clemente story in addition to the Hank Aaron story kind of as a, I mean, I, I played baseball in, in middle school, a little bit in high school. Didn't really, you know, I collected, my brothers and I collected basketball cards. We didn't have baseball cards, but you know, it wasn't, it, following pro baseball wasn't ever really my sport per se. The Tigers were always dreadful. Uh, the Tigers was the childhood team in Michigan, of course. So the Tigers were dreadful growing up. So we never really, you know, <laughs> we tried to ignore them the most we could. But, you know, I, I uh, traveled with the Oris team last week to Atlanta, uh, where Hank Aaron concluded his career with the Braves. And that is actually, you know, the Braves team colors kind of informed the red, the white, and the blue on this dial, which is also really very cool. It's the the vintage Braves colors, of course, not the current. And actually there were, so it was Hank Aaron week last week because it's celebrating the anniversary of him breaking the record. Just a quick correction. So he played for almost his entire career as the, as a Brave 
broke the record in 1974 as a Brave, Correct. but had two final seasons uh, with another team. Ah, okay. Sort oh. of a very Willie Mays-like with the it, Mets. So, so he wasn't, oh, so you, weren't, you, weren't, you weren't there because of where he finished. He was like Mr. Braves. Right. Like, okay. That's a good every correction. Every year, he, the hammer. That was his nickname. <laughs> but, consistent, right. consistent. But the Braves started off his career in Milwaukee and yes. then later at the very tail end, I think landed in Atlanta. Ah, uh, there we go. Okay. Thank you. That, that's that's that's, that's, an, that's a very important correction, I would say. Um, but you know what was very cool about being around so Truist Stadium, where the Braves are playing now, it was kind of amazing. You know his his number. They have this kind of museum concourse within the stadium as you're getting from from one part of the park to the other. You know, passing all of the Braves greats. Of course, he's a big bronze statue up there with all the records and the bats and everything. And you can really, it's, you know, Truist is quite a new stadium, but you can really feel the history there and the way that they have really paid tribute to kind of his legacy helps, helps kind of bring this watch and also the Hank Aaron story to life a little bit for me. And 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 where Oris comes in and all of this, of course, you know, Hank Aaron, like Roberto Clemente, was also an incredible humanitarian. And he really made a point to... He didn't want to be remembered as a baseball player. He wanted to be remembered as like a great man, which is is really incredible. And that and that to me is what, you know, the legacy of of the record kind of it's what underscores the legacy of the record, I feel like, is his his contributions off the field. So he started a charitable foundation called Chasing the Dream, which kind of helps young children, you know, underprivileged kids have access to scholarships and better education and thereby you know, the idea is that, you know, the next great sports champion or the next great physician or, or person who could change the world just needs like that, that little push, that opportunity for, you know, education. So a portion of the proceeds of this watch go to that foundation. And um, Mr. Aaron's wife, Billy, was there in, in, cool. in attendance. And she is, uh, she's a former television host, I believe. And uh, I swear, she spoke to her in the press conference kind of out, you know, uh, she was summarizing the charity and thanking VJ for the the watch. One of the watches was gifted to the to her, and uh, she could re- do an audio book. I could listen yeah. to her all day. I, I feel like the press conference ended a little bit too soon because everybody was like, "Let's just let's just get Billy up there, <laughs> just keep her going." It was an absolute delight. It was also quite fortuitous because the Braves are pretty good right now. The Braves have a pretty good team right now, and so they uh, they ran circles around the Brewers, and uh, it was fun to watch a baseball game that ended the way it should have. The last few Giants games I've been to, the Giants have gotten beat, so it was nice to <laughs> it was nice to see the good guys get one. Russ is actually well, going to a Giants game tonight. <laughs> Who Hopefully they will not get beat. Uh-huh. Who are we playing? D-backs. Very good. By the way, do you want to know why they picked a Braves-Brewers game? Because the Brewers are where he finished his career. That's where he finished. Right? And oh, that's, and that's okay. where he started too, because Milwaukee started oh, as the Braves, cool. then goes to Atlanta, plays for Atlanta, and then back to Milwaukee for oh, the last two years. Weirdly fitting. So he got to finish with the the fans that he sort of uh-huh. came up with. Okay, we missed that. That's a great little. That's a great little fact. Of it. Well, it's a, it's an awesome watch. The you Roberto know, Clemente was kind of more gold trimmed because of the Pittsburgh Pirates. Pirates. Uh, this is more kind of silver, red, and blue. Um, um, what I would say is um, what my sister-in-law <laughs> Amy would say is is we should always lay a little bit of foundation. Mm-hmm. Like for somebody who's never seen, I mean, this is obviously a 40 millimeter pointer date, but for someone who's never looked at a 40 millimeter pointer date, I mean, what would you say before we get into the aronization of it all? What would you say is the just the basic theme of the watch? The, yeah. Just I mean, base root. you're great at describing that. Zach. The pointer date is the 
it's the most signature Oris complication, I think. It's one of their oldest, some of their earliest models. I mean, these predate, these are like the 1920s, 1930s, I think. It could be older than that. VJ is probably, <laughs> VJ is going to send one of us a text message. Yeah, older than the River Oris itself. <laughs> <laughs> but it's absolutely a signature. And, and, you know, instead of a traditional date aperture carved into the dial, you have a hand that kind of orbits the periphery of the dial and simply points to the date. And this complication itself also predated, no pun intended, the date aperture, the date wheel, which Correct. was recessed into the dial. So the earliest way for any watch to tell the date on the dial was to simply point a hand at it. So not only is it an old complication, a very traditional watchmaking complication, it's kind of a signature for Oris. And so they've built this kind of full collection of Big Crown, which is a pilot-style watch, around this classic complication. And nobody, nobody really does pointer dates, I would say, in... I mean, not... I'm sure we could. Nobody has owned the pointer date complication at this price point in quite the same way that Oris has. And this collection is available in a few different sizes. This particular one is 40, I think. That's correct. There's a 40 and there's a 36. And then they just came out with some special watches, some special straps that are 38 last year. I would argue this is the best size. And it's got a really cool looking railroad track. That's Mm -hmm. one of the signatures. It has those cathedral hands and it has uh, an old fashioned... A sapphire crystal designed to look like uh, old-fashioned acrylic. Yep. Uh, it's just a very wearable, super cool sort of modern yet old-looking piece. And I believe with the Clemente edition, the strap was made out of baseball glove leather, mm-hmm. but I don't believe that's the case this time. It's kind of a blue. It's like a blue leather again. I mean, they're designed are... to evoke the trim from the Braves jerseys, but it comes with two straps now instead of just the one. So I believe it was a Rawlings. Was it a Rawlings? Yeah, it was. I think it was Rawlings before you. Yeah, Wilson. Super cool. Either way. That is a As Dodger fans would know, there are blue baseball gloves, but I don't (laughs) think that uh, they have the technology. I had a blue baseball glove. And are are we... And uh, this doesn't look like it's a baseball glove. I don't think it is, but I think the stitching is designed to evoke the baseball glove stitching. That's kind of double stitch along the edge of the mitt. So either way... Very cool baseball tie-in. I feel like you don't necessarily need to be a baseball fan to appreciate what's happening here. And it's the same thing with the Roberto Clemente edition. I I mean, it was it's a gorgeous it's looking a, It's piece, a very so. clean looking casual yep. watch, which by the way, if you think the 40 millimeter size is the best size, that's awesome. Because in this watch, <laughs> it's the only size that comes. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good point. That is a very good point. And yeah, these are, these are available now. These are available from day one. And I think... Um, yeah, this one in my hand here is up for grabs. This is a super cool piece. But again, baseball fans, sports fans, non-sports fans, um, Oris is uh, doing something really special here. And it's this is absolutely a watch worth supporting. So very cool cause. Not the only hot watch of the summer, I would say. We have two other arrivals here. We have three other arrivals here. And I'm actually, I'm actually handling this color for the very first time. This is, of course, we talked a little bit about this in the last episode. The new Omega Seamaster summer blue collection uh it was built kind of to commemorate the 75th anniversary of course of the seamaster and they did this by way of doing one blue seamaster in every seamaster currently in the collection so that is the aquaterra that is the 300m diver that is the regular seamaster 300 that is the planet ocean that is the ultra deep that is the ploprof did i miss one well, I said Aquaterra because there's the World Timer as well. So there's seven, eight new references. And they all have blue dials. This kind of, you know, the collection was launched in Mykonos in Greece. So this has this kind of very like Grecian blue. I mean, yeah. it's this kind of turquoise 
color. But what's unique about these, and this was something that I really hoped to see when I could finally see these in the metal for the first time, is the gradation from light blue for the 150 meters to a very, very dark blue for the deepest diving ultra deep. We don't have the ultra deep in front of us, but we do have three of the shallower diving. Yeah, this is the shallow diving edition. (laughs) And uh, the deep, we'll have the deep dive. This is more like the gopher splash in the water edition. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. we'll have the deep dive in a future episode. We'll have the deep dive in a future episode, but I will say, that this this Aquaterra in my hand right now, this is my, f- and I said this was my favorite in the collection when I saw them digitally, and now that I'm seeing them physically, this is still my favorite, because I feel like if you're going to do blue, this is the blue you get. Russ, you're seeing this for the first time. Describe this watch Ooh. to the listener. Oh, this is pretty. So it's got a <laughs> light blue rubber strap on the watch, almost kind of, what color would you call this blue? I guess it's a baby blue. It is. It's kind of a sky blue. It's summer like blue, Russ. It's, it's fine. It's a summer, summer blue. blue. Um, matching... <laughs> Um, dial. What's interesting is they took the date window and behind the date, they've made the date wheel a matching color to this drop, also a light blue. Which is really impressive because I think they've matched all of the date. All of the date wheels are a different color blue to match the respective blue on the dial. So if you compare that to the 300M diver here, which is more of like a navy blue, I would say, that has a different color date wheel as well. But one of the Continuous themes between the two is they both have this kind of turquoise light blue loom application. So it Correct. it reads white as a glance, but it's actually kind of a light blue. Another actually, this very one pretty cool much detail. reads blue. Look yeah. at this. this is, yeah. yeah, they made this, yep. are these two the same color. Let's say. No, they're different. Yeah, different colors. So they yep. they've gone. Th- yeah, this is a little different. So the is loom the same color? Maybe it is the same color. The loom on this is a color they've never used before. With a with the markers become light blue. Um, that's pretty. That's extremely cool. It's it, it's amazing because the conceptually, instead of doing like a, we talked a little bit about this last week, like instead of doing a singular edition that pays tribute to an anniversary, they did a whole collection that pays tribute more to like the capability of the collection as it pertains to its ability to kind of dive the entire depth of the ocean, whether you're splashing you know, in the first six to eight inches of the ocean, you're doing a little, your little Grecian holiday, or you're on an expedition with Victor Vescovo, literally to the bottom, the deepest part of the ocean. There is a, well, the deepest diving Omega has dove there, the but the deepest deep. diving, the ultra deep, I think is still shy of the record. It's not the record breaking. I believe it's 6,000 meters and Challenger Deep is a little deeper than that, but uh, we're not going to Challenger Deep. It's deep. <laughs> it's quite deep. But these are very, very cool. And uh, and we also actually have the smaller. This is 36 millimeters? That's 38. This 38. is 38. So this is kind of the unisex Aquaterra as well with the boat-shaped hour markers as opposed to the, the, uh, the steep kind of triangle shape. And this has, instead of the instead of the teak concept lattice kind of dial, this has just like a really simple kind of turquoise blue sunburst, which is also really beautiful. Yeah, it's frame around the date at six o'clock. These are really beautifully done. And also this has the new Aquaterra bracelet as well. The bracelet which debuted on the Shades collection, I believe. Yeah, this is that sort of radiant treatment on it. So that as you shift in the light, it's very directional. And the, these are super it sort cool. It goes white to blue as you move it around. Yeah, the these are color to darker color blue. These are super cool. Rob, what was your first impression of the these blue watches and they made their debut in the store? To me, the... What's your pick? Of the ones that are here... I'm a huge fan of sharp gradients and it's funny it's funny looking at this thinking about um the arm and strom that we just did mm-hmm. which was also trying to capture the feeling of water but mm-hmm. that was a really the opposite 
of this type of gradient where it was uh, light on the edges and dark in the center. And so the, it's, it's nice seeing a traditional style gradient, you know, executed so well. Mm-hmm. I feel like I, I just look at them and I don't really have a, a favorite per se. I just look at them about how each one sort of tr- is executing like their role in the overall theme. So I, I like it when watches are part of a bigger thing. And I don't think anybody has to collect all seven or, yep. I mean, that's obviously a lot of watches. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> they do. <laughs> uh, but I know, but you know, I, I, I know someone actually who is, but I think it's just interesting looking. You, I guess you just have to judge each one by how, how well it did in representing its place in the theme. And then you also have to look at it just, I guess, in terms of what's going to overall grab your heart the most. Yep. For me, the the one that I like the best so far is the is the 300 MC Master of this group. I thought I would like the Planet Ocean the best, and that one hasn't landed yet. So when we do the deep dive of deep dives, we'll I'll find out really how that ranks. But between the 300 and the Aquaterras, I'm, I'm more drawn towards. I'm more drawn. I tend to be more drawn towards professional grade seamasters (laughs) in terms of what grabs my heart. But that that would be my choice. This is a super cool piece, you know. And actually, there's a bit of an optical illusion happening with the seamaster with the three. So this is a 300M diver again, and it almost looks to me as though it has a blue crystal. There's this really interesting, like Mm -hmm. hazy effect that is happening kind of between the top of the sapphire crystal and the bottom and uh, the bottom of the dial. And the, the reason for that is simply just the way the dial has been either rendered. This is probably like an electroplating or something, just the way it's picking up light, but it has this kind of hazy effect to it as though, and this is, this is to me where the brilliance of this collection lies is that the Aquaterra looks as though, you know, when you're standing on like the edge of a pool and you can see the bottom of the pool from the shallow end, you can see down three to five feet or whatever it is. And it's, it, it, to me, it looks like this teal. It's this kind of bright, yeah. brighter color. The Seamaster 300M looks as though you're standing on the edge of a boat and you can still see the bottom, but the bottom is probably 20 or 30 feet right. down. There's a fair amount of like haze and backscatter kind of between the surface and the bottom. And you get that kind of that kind of floaty, hazy look. And so I don't know if that was intentional, but to me it probably was. And that kind of reflects the, that kind of reflects the depth that they were going after. This is like the slightly deeper version, uh, the slightly deeper diving version of the Seamaster collection. I was really, I'm really, really impressed with this watch. This still isn't maybe my pick because I do just like the lighter blue stuff. And also the Ploprof is extremely cool. So so last weekend... (laughs) We did get a little cheat sneak peek uh-huh. at the Ultra Deep because a customer, well, a client of ours came in and had one they had purchased in the UK. Mm-hmm. And I got to say, it surprised me with just how cool That's that one cool. is. But we and does it read? Like does it read quite so blue, or does it read more black? It reads kind of like what you would expect at a real depth, maybe with a little bit of light on the real right. depth, where it goes from kind of a dark blue almost towards not quite black, but close oh, to it. Cool. And the rock motif at the bottom turned out to be very cool. Um, I thought that that watch read kind of like uh, the green Seamaster or the seaweed, oh, yeah. if you will. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In that you take that watch into one of the darker areas of our store, it read black. You'll get a little sunlight on it, it read a lot more vibrant. It still didn't read nearly as light as any of these. That's cool. 
and and we put a black light on it to look at the secret message, which is cool. <laughs> I mean, I think the punchline. Can we talk about the secret message? We have to talk about it. the secret message. Do we like the secret message? We like the secret message. Yeah. I mean, I feel like the secret message is kind of an Easter egg in the way that like the Snoopy is. The Snoopy kind of has like not the current Snoopy, but like the how much can you do in thirteen seconds or whatever the mm-hmm. previous gen. Where there's kind of an overt reference directly on the dial to something that Omega has done. This, to me, is a continuation of that theme. It's just hidden now. You have to have a UV light for it. What does it say? It says, I think it says Omega was here. In reference to, I believe it says Omega was here. And that is, of course, in reference to, because the pattern on the dial of the Ultra Deep, I believe, is replicated from a scan of that actual pool from within Challenger Deep. The idea was that when James Cameron went down and they said Challenger Deep, which is this pocket of the Mariana Trench, the deepest part of the ocean, they said it was this deep. But when Vescovo went down with different instrumentation, repeated dives, they got a little more experience kind of exploring around that particular part of Challenger Deep. They found like a sub part from within Challenger Deep, this pool that was slightly deeper. And so that slightly deeper zone that uh, Vescovo and his team found with an Omega Ultra Deep strapped to the outside of the submersible is scanned in relief on the dial. And I believe the UV luminosity, the the luminous markers that are hidden on there say Omega was here. So it's a fun little hat tip to Omega. I mean, more or less kind of tipping their hat to to James Cameron's expedition and saying, we went just a little bit deeper. (laughs) It is funny to see a Swiss brand like when I because when I saw that initially, I was just like, oh, it's a little cheesy. But it's kind of amazing to see a Swiss brand, especially operating at the level that Omega is with a sense of humor. And I converted on it. I actually kind of love it in the same way that I love the Snoopy. But then again, I also love finding a decoder ring in the bottom of the box of cereal. So (laughs) easy. You know, for me, when I look at this, when I survey this collection kind of as a whole, I don't wear a lot of blue. Um, I've owned a few blue watches. Do either of you guys own blue watches? Yes. Yes. Okay. I've seen, Russ, I've seen your blue watches. You're neither of, no one here is wearing a blue watch. We should probably do a wrist check at some point. Let's come back to that. Hold on. Hold that thought. Put a pin in that. There are a lot of ways to do blue. I mean, you know, in Forrest Gump, when how many different kinds of shrimp are there? Popcorn shrimp, fried shrimp. A lot of um, ways to do blue. shrimp. <laughs> There's a lot of ways to do blue. I remember a really long time ago, I was in Japan and I was in Kojima. And Kojima is, this is kind of a fun little hat tip back to another Oris watch. They did the collab with Momotaro. So Momotaro is made in Okayama Prefecture, which is kind of the the hub for all of Japan's fine denim. It's like, it's an industrial hub, essentially. But all the denim comes... It's it's a textile hub, essentially, the Okayama. And um, there's a small port city in southern Okayama called Kojima, and that's where the really, really nice denim is done. Specifically, there's a lot of dyeing that's done there, so they, they dye everything blue there. So the whole town of Kojima is blue in various shades. The buildings have these kind of cool blue themes to them. Everything that's kind of denim related has some shade of blue. And what's cool is when I look at this collection and I don't, again, as somebody who is a little, I'm not colorblind when it comes to blue. I just kind of ignore it in general. But when you, when you look at this and you see the full spectrum, there's so many different interesting ways to interpret blue in the same way that there's so many interesting ways to interpret these different colors of denim. And when I was there, I was I was photographing a gentleman who like who dyes high-end denim for like Momotaro, like the Oris jeans. 
and uh, you know his fingernails were all blue and his whole like workshop everything was just dyed. it was this like beautiful state of mess and chaos but everything was blue you know i asked him if he ever got tired of seeing the color blue and he kind of just looked at me straight in the eye and he sort of just deadpanned he was like no blue is the world's favorite color and i was like i got nothing because, I mean, in a way, it kind of is. And you look around the store, it's the one color, it's the one way people can kind of accent and have a little bit of color. But what's amazing about this collection is you can have a little fun with it. And everybody's kind of personality has a shade of blue. Everybody has a favorite shade of blue. That's the long and short of it. And that shade is in this collection somewhere. That's quite cool. It is a blue planet we live on. It is a blue planet we live on, after all. Zoom out a little bit, for sure. This is a podcast, a ranked podcast now, mind you, so... Being in the watch space, we probably should do a wrist check. Uh, we've been talking a lot about Seamaster's wrist. What is on your wrist? I have a Seamaster 300 <laughs> Pro on my wrist because I knew we were doing this today. <laughs> is it blue? It's not blue. It's, it's black. Not blue. What is your blue watch? Um, what is my blue watch? I know I what have, it is, but I have several things. One of which, oh yeah, your one most of which, recent ones, the Armin yeah, Strong. Yeah, the Armin Strong, oh, the Blanc one. 50 Fathoms you have titanium. A 50, I, have I have 50 Fathoms. It's blue. I have. Do you have a blue bathy? No, no, no the right. only blue 50 fathoms he yeah. has is the, the titanium, titanium. which is also very nice. An- another very nice blue treatment, but I would say a different treatment than any of the Seamasters that I've seen so far. So like if you've seen Correct. the traditional blue sunburst that Omega or Blancpain have done, all of these are different in an interesting way, which is kind of kind of cool. Do you, what's your blue watch, Rob? My blue watches tend to fall a little more in the affordable uh, <laughs> space than... <laughs> My older, more established brother. I have, Brought to you by the guy that shares a collection with me, so be quiet. <laughs> I, I've seen you wear that Blanc Bon Rob. That's true. <laughs> um, I have a, um, I, I mean, the Zodiac uh, Topper uh, yes. Rally Edition yes. would be a blue watch. I have a, a Helios Fairwind that I love. Uh, that, that's blue. Um, those are the two that really... Mm-hmm come to my come to mind without looking i'm sure uh, those are good oh, signatures for and, you. and and of course um the, the light blue seaforths those would be yeah, um, right. those would be my precious blues those are a little more tiffany-esque yes yes i uh, kind of cringe my when son people say wears, tiffany because uh, it's, it's the catch-all my but. son wears one with a 24-hour bezel yep. um that's the sapphire bezel and i also have one that's the um 60-minute steel bezel so love I, I love those light blues let's um I'm going to get your wrist check in a sec. I'm going to do me because I'm also wearing an Omega. And then we'll hop over to you because I think you have something special on. Uh, I'm wearing uh, Seamaster Planet Ocean Deep Black from 2016, I want to say. I have a funny story about this watch too, Rob, because uh, when these came out, I was still just sort of like a customer. We didn't know each other very well. But I remember being in the store in the old location at 1315 Berlin Game Ave. We were kind of just trying on Seamasters and I was looking at these and you kind of, you offered this to me. This is a, f- listener, this is a 45 and a half millimeter watch, by the way. This is not That is sm- tall. This is not a small watch. It is tall, but it kind of hides its height a little bit, I would say. But... I'm just accenting <laughs> your... You sort of presented it across the counter to me, and you were like, is it too big? Oh, it's too big, isn't it? Oh, it's too big. Like, you really wanted it to not be too big. <laughs> you were so worried about how big it was. And I think a lot of people were, and it is a big watch, but it's the biggest small watch. And I, I mean... Don't fear the 45 millimeters. 
uh, I feel like it wears pretty small. The ceramic makes it wear pretty light. I think one of the biggest differences between behind the counter me then and behind the me <laughs> counter now <laughs> is uh, it's important to let somebody put something on it and get you get their impression before you give your own. Yeah, and that's, that's a and that's a mistake <laughs> that I have. You are illustrating why it's important to do that. Have we ever had that conversation? <laughs> don't let it be the customer. Don't let it be your idea. I yeah. mean, it is it is kind of true because I think a lot of people would put this on and they would immediately look for validation. And the more say, diplomatic, like, does it look too big on me? The more, yeah. You you let them go where they want, and if they ask, you give their opinion. You but give the weird, your opinion. The weird and thing about you, this watch you look is at, you look at the top plane. You look correct. To see if you got edges are hanging over. You look at the curvature. You look at the angle that the strap's coming down, yep. and you point out to them you know, maybe how the curvature is on their wrist versus how it would be if their wrist was a little bit larger. Yeah. But you should never be like, oh, yeah. it's too big. Well, because because everybody's perceptions of size are very different. Because if I go around and I wear a 40 millimeter pointer date or as pointer date for weeks on end, and then I put this on, this is 100% going to feel too big regardless of like whether or not it actually fits. Because just visually... You're not used to making that transition and your mind can't make the leap. The Blancpain that you have is also yep. 45 millimeters, yep. not a small watch, but I also feel like it wears... I wear that watch a lot. It wears awesome. Yep. It wears amazing. I had the big date for a little while. I wish I still did. So anyway, I love this watch. I feel like don't fear the big sizes. It's the same thing with the Ultra Deep. I mean, that's another watch that I think that has the same size case or a very similar size. It's a 43 or 44 millimeter. Somebody's going to correct me if I'm wrong. I, maybe it's 43 half? millimeter. Which no, one? the Ultra Deep. The new Seamaster Ultra Deep, I think, I, I might be 45 millimeters as well. But 44. It's in the same realm as this. Um, it's interesting watch because the lungs the are smaller down. than that. I, I, thought it was for, I thought it was 45, but... I think it's 45. Right now. Now I, but you guys are making you me might doubt be right. myself. Rob is furiously checking. We will find out. Um, By the way, while we're on the subject of your watch, were you at our Deep Black event? No, I was we had, not. We had an event. You had an event for the Deep Black. And we had we Gregory Kissling from Omega come and speak about the tech. It was terrific, oh, but along with cool. it, the thing I remember the, he's the most the head of their research Never mind that, we had a signature Deep Black cocktail at that event, which I have quite a good memory of with my family figuring out what that cocktail was going to be. I'm we afraid had a to ask night. what the Deep Black cocktail would be. What, include, um, what it included? It smoked, I remember. No, it included... Didn't it have something No, it, not, it included... <laughs> Dry ice effect? It was a black vodka <laughs> that I found, and it included the black... Vodka and country, and I can't tell you past that. It was I, good. It seems like it'd be like I, a liqueur. I vaguely remember a, a dry ice effect. Maybe. It's just the bottom of a can that. of Guinness. Just, yeah, just pour the know. bottom of the 45.5 millimeters. 45.5. Wow, it's good to both be right. I like it. So I think it's the same case footprint as the deep black that I'm wearing, but I feel like it's a little bit thinner because it doesn't have an excavation case back, so it sits a little bit lower on the wrist. But I also think that the um, the lug to lug distance has been shortened by a millimeter thing. or two, and yeah, that's going to be the biggest big difference. difference. I know and a I lot of also people have been very surprised. They've been they very surprised. Everybody says the same thing about that watch. Is they're surprised about how small it wears. I feel like you can make the deep black wear a little smaller by by removing the integrated strap because the integrated strap also hooks out a little bit and adds. Anyway, doesn't matter. Big watches are the new small watches. I'm here for it. I love the ultra deep. I love the deep black. Rob, what's on your wrist today? Um, I am wearing my favorite modern Seiko, and that is the 62 Moss reissue from 2017 SLA-017. That's a cool watch. A watch that I thought until now was the most perfectly proportioned Seiko. And What makes this different than the Seiko 62 Moss that was just introduced? 
Um, well, two weeks ago. a couple of things. So from a size standpoint, this is, I think is 39 millimeters. It's the same uh, case as all of the 62 reissues you know that have eight series movements. So if you're looking at the blue SLA 037, yeah, that's a high beat, so it's a little bit thicker. That was the 50, I think the 55th anniversary blue high beat 62 Moss. Same case, though that one's a little thicker. SLA 043, the slightly more violety blue with the blue second hand, similar, the black one that came out this year uh, with the all black case. But this model you're talking about, SG- hold, on, hold, hold, hold Let me put a pin in that real quick. Russ is just real, Russ. Every time Rob mentions a Seiko reference or a movement caliber, Russ it's just when rolls he starts his eyes rattling off three and it's, four numbers at a time. It's uncanny. Anyway, but it's S- uncanny. SJ <laughs> SJE093, the new one that's coming out, has two things about it that are new. Lay it on me. Number one, sort of like the trilogy watches for Omega. Mm. In, Ironically, 2017, yep. where they really tried to um, get imaging of the original uh, watches from 1957. They laser scanned them. And they laser scanned a Speedmaster, a Railmaster, mm-hmm. and a 300 MC Master, where they here, Seiko really tried to make this watch the same as the original size. Yep. Now, you might look at the movement series and say, wait a minute, this is a six series. So, a lot of people are like, $3,500 for a 6 Series? What, what the heck? That's too much. This, this is an outrage. But the thing is, it's a 6L, not a 6R. Mm-hmm. So if you're looking at the lower end of Seiko, like an SPB... This is the King Seiko movement, right? That was in the newer line of King Seikos, so the upgraded L well, Series? Well, those, those are also 6L, but this is a new caliber specific to this watch. Oh, interesting. But if you're looking at a, like a $1,200 watch, that is also an amazing probably the most successful $1,200 watch I think we've had. The original 62 Moss with the gray, like mm-hmm. SPB 143 SP, mm-hmm. um, and its brothers and sisters, like the Heritage one. Shout out James Stacy. Yeah. James loves his James loves his SLA. But um, SPB. SPB, excuse me. Um, so, so those watches are 6R series, so that they have much wider accuracy threshold. Right. The 6 series movement that will be in the SJE093 is the same negative 10 to plus 15 accuracy as the eight series, the ones that they say are similar architecture to Grand Seiko. Now you might say, well, negative 10 to plus 15 for a $3,500 watch, we'd like it to be a little bit narrower tolerance. And, and that's fair criticism. However, a lot of them do perform a lot better than the stated accuracy we have found. So movement spec is different. Price point's different. Right. In case size? Case size is 38 instead of 39.5. So it's a hair smaller. And it's a little thinner. It is a carbon, like those Omegas, it is supposed to be almost identical to the original from the 60s. So the punchline is that the new 62 Moss, so the 62 Moss that you're wearing is a reinterpretation, but it is a little more modern. Right. But the one that just came out is a shot for shot. As right. close as we as can close get to the original. As, as close as they can get, mm. and the packaging reflects mm-hmm. the original packaging. It's really a deep dive attempt to recreate the original, and in my opinion, will probably at some point replace this yep. as the most special one. And we fought, 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 <laughs> because as as you know, um, like my my son and I have a joke, like. 
when he, I'm like, do, do, do you want any more popcorn? And he'll be like, I'll have all the popcorn. <laughs> so that's how we felt about this watch because we knew uh-huh. this would be such a hit for yep. Topper customers. We we'll, wanted to get as good an allocation as possible, but we'll have that's an another, on that. another subject for We'll have an day. announcement on that really <laughs> soon. If you're waiting for one of these, or if you've pre-ordered one of these, or if you're thinking about pre-ordering one of these, you should probably pre-order one of these. We have some news coming very yeah. soon on that. But that's, yeah. that's quite cool, though. I haven't heard it summarized quite like that. Um, you just put on a clinic yeah. oh, right now please. with reference numbers and calibers, and Russ can't roll his eyes far enough. Yeah. I, 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 oh, my God. I didn't <laughs> I didn't know you could actually see directly behind you, Russ, when I talk about sacred numbers. I am numbers. kind of amazing. Um, I, will say, um, I will say this also. So if you look at the Seiko servicing website, the 6L movement, and the 8L movement are on the same line item. Not only do they have the same accuracy standards, they have the same servicing cost. So they really are parallel. Mm-hmm. The question you might ask is, why would they do a reissue with a 6L instead of an 8L? And the answer is, it doesn't fit. That's a very good point. It's too thick, right? I think it was too I thick. I think it's too wide. It's too wide, yeah. It's too and wide too and oh. too thick. Oh. I, you that's know, good. You that's, know, you know, that's good. I, and, there, and, there is a Seiko person who knows, I, I don't know. Okay, but I think I think it is because it is too wide. But I do know, having talked to designers at Seiko, it is a hundred percent. It doesn't fit. We'll have a we'll have a full episode about this watch once we have it in the metal in front of us. Russ will probably happily sit that one out. <laughs> we have I'm special plans. And, and <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm, I'm hoping I can be there to yeah. just talk and about he, the movements and, and, he, and he doesn't. He doesn't know it yet. But and there the, will be a test. Yeah, he doesn't know it yet. But we're hoping to get someone who is. Um, makes my Seiko knowledge look like a blip of ah, like a, just well, like only a, of, like two a, people that it could possibly be. True. <laughs> yeah. My Seiko that's knowledge is, is nothing compared this to this person, person dunks on Rob. He, we'll oh just, my God. We'll he, just say that. He doesn't, he, it's like, I, I'm not even <laughs> in the same game. I'm like, I, I'm like a red shirt watching compared to this person. Well, that is very cool because I feel like I haven't heard. I, I felt like that watch was significant. Wait, the eight L movements are, sh- are grand Seiko cal are grand Seiko. Seiko Studio movements? So, no? This is probably a conversation. This, okay. is a whole, well, this turned into another podcast, I'm realizing. Well, this is the deal with that. So if you answer, ask that question to Joe Kirk, he would say, there's a lot of common architecture, but I don't know why people say that. And what people say is this, eight series movements are the, the same. the studio, right? Eight series movements are the same as nine series with less finishing. That's right. what people would say. That is the quote, word on the street, the rumor. They are unfinished Grand Seiko and movements. that was for but many years. Under, but my understanding is if we get Joe Kirk on this podcast again and say, Joseph, tell me why that's not true. He's got a reason. <laughs> I can't I can't remember what it is, but he'll point out some mm-hmm. minutia that make the nine series, I think, a little got more sophisticated it. than the eight, but it's close. That was definitely forum shorthand back in the day. For when, sure it was. When, when, when we were constantly comparing Seiko and Grand Seiko, they were like, oh, this, right. this movement in the tuna is just a Grand Seiko movement without the... Right. Uh, without and they'd be the talking, and when they say that, they're talking about 8L. Right. That's fair. That's good. I mean, it's, it's great stuff to clear up. I feel like that kind of turned that sort of urban legend or myth kind of took on a life of its own. When we do the fact. next podcast, mm-hmm. I will contact Joe and, and I will give you the specific reason <laughs> As to why he would say, "We'll call him in." That you can't, you you can't call an eight series movement the same as as a nine series. I love it, Joe Kirk. We're putting you on blast. We're going to call you in for that one, fellas. This was great. This was a great listen. Uh, love talking about Oris. Love talking about Omega. We have a lot of interesting stuff coming up later this summer. And um, let's not forget the SJE093. What is that? The Seiko thirty-eight millimeter sixty-two Moss. 
that we just talked about for like 15 minutes. We literally just talked about it for 15 minutes and I already (laughs) still don't know the reference number. (laughs) So we we represent all all fluency of of Seiko reference numbers. So what's really interesting about that, you'll be happy to know that when you were saying what was that, I'm thinking to myself, I know that reference number now. (laughs) But but, I, but the difference in you and me, Rob, is tomorrow it'll be all gone for me, and you will still remember it. This is 100 percent true. I'm Russ, just, do you I'm have just a, trying to say haunted house, Russ. <laughs> <laughs> Russ, what brand do you have this level of intensity around? None. No. Oh, okay. That's Diamonds. 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 It's Lust true. And other things too. Di- honestly, true. so what's really um, actually between us, you and I remember rather different things about technical product. Mm-hmm. And so it's not that I don't have a deep technical understanding. We do not come at it in our heads the same that's way. True. Listener, that's true. Listener, I've had a conversation. It's not me. That's true. It's true. But I've had a conversation. But you also understand the technical processes yep. as well. Because I've had a conversation yep. with you about uh, lab-grown diamonds, which, sure. but you know, do we have another gen- three hours? Or? Yeah, exactly. In general, <laughs> I have a lot more manufacturing background right. than he does. And when it right. comes to putting things together right. and problems, whatever, I'm quicker on it. You guys are yin However, and yang. Oil yeah. and water. Yeah, peanut that. butter and jelly. Which is which? Pickles and olives? Pickles and olives. <laughs> Pregnancy? <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. Uh, fellas, this has been an absolute delight. Again, once again, listeners, to all of our friends in Sweden, uh, we are going to take a fika break. and uh, But we do appreciate all of the reviews. We appreciate uh, the star ratings. We appreciate the emails. Uh, we've really been enjoying making this thing and we want to keep Berlin Game and Park rolling. So thanks for all the support. And uh, fellas, thank you so much for your time today. Listener, we will catch you in the next one. Thanks again for listening. Thanks, thank Zach. You.